0: Dr. Doreen Grand is the- Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grand Dr. Grand
1: Dr. Doreen Grand Dr. Doreen Grand is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning and welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen. I'm Shannon Penrod and I am here with the fabulous Dr. Doreen Grampuchet, and we are excited to be in the studio. We keep trying new things out in the studio, and we appreciate your patience as we try things out in our studio, and it's so weird.
0: Yeah, it is. It's
1: bizarre being back in person.
0: Absolutely, it is. And getting used to it, just being here on time, I almost (laughs) didn't make it today.
1: Well, not only that, I mean, when we first started doing shows from home, and I have to say with pride, we were the first people to do shows from home. We did shows from home before Jimmy Fallon did. Yeah. I'm very proud of that. No, it's true. Can you tell? And and now we're one of the last people to come back to the studio. Uh, right. So I, when they all talked about when you come back to the studio, how it's all weird and it feels like who moved my cheese, I now have compassion for them because it's. And you get you know at first when we were doing it from home, I was like I don't know how to do this without Traven right here and <laughs> and I'm in what I'm in charge of my own microphone and it was all these things. But then I built a world around me sure. that we don't have anymore. I was like oh well I don't get to have yeah. you know my fan and my gum and my pills That's and right. my, you know, all of these things that I would have set up around me so that I could talk to you guys. So it sort of feels like we're flying now. It's so true. And and Traven is driving the plane now. It's so true. it's it's a little weird.
0: The, the positive side of it, though, Shanna, this morning I was telling my husband that, like, he was like, oh, why are you so well-dressed? I was like, like <laughs> we're doing the show. And the show is full-bodied. Yes, so you have to be decent. Yes, yes, there's no more wearing shorts
1: to <laughs> yeah. do this anymore. Exactly. Or pajama bottoms or yoga pants, as I am very fond of uh, wearing, but now I've given it all away. And there was a little bit more makeup applied today. Oh, yeah, of course. And I paid a little bit more attention to it, but, you know there's well, only so gorgeous. much spackle you can do right <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> it doesn't take off the extra 50 pounds that you want to take off but you know we're keeping it real here anyway uh, we're here with you as I said I'm Shannon Penrod Dr. Doreen Grampy Pichet is here she's a true expert in the field of autism she's going to be here with us for the next hour answering your questions in real time I do have some questions that you guys send in ahead but we on our, our fancy little iPads here are ready to take your questions via chat if you would please send those in to us and And we're live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter and about 12 different sites. In fact, Traven, our fabulous Traven, who is driving the bus today, will put those on the screen for you at some point so that you can see. Don't forget that if you're watching live, we love your live questions, don't we, Dr. Grand Pichet? Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So don't be shy. I see that Macy has said hey, and so we love that. Even if you just want to say hey so that we can see that you're in the house. We appreciate that, right? That's awesome. We also love to know where you're writing from. Be as specific as possible. We do have to give you the disclaimer that while Dr. Pichet, I believe, is the expert in the field of autism and has been working in this field for more than 40 years and has worked with people all over the spectrum from young babies up through senior citizens with all kinds of challenges and with their families with all kinds of challenges in a kind and compassionate way, still she cannot give individual specific advice in this particular format. I think we can all understand why. You know, it would take sure. somebody who has eyes on the situation to really uh, be respectful of the individual. But having said that, you really can write in, be as specific as possible, tell us what your closest major city is so that we have an idea of resources that might be available to you. And, and tell her what's going on and what you're feeling about it and what challenges you're facing and she gives amazing advice. She's been doing that for over a decade Thank here. you,
0: Shannon. Yeah, and it's, but it's, that's the reason we love having people live yes. because then if I have questions, I can always ask you and get more questions and be able to help you a little bit better.
1: Okay, we love it. Uh, Susie B says that she just got my book. Apparently, ah. the book has been out for a little while, but um, depending on where you ordered it from, people are just starting to it. I'm dying to know what you guys think. I want all the criticism and all the whatever. Um, I am begging, pleading and cajoling uh, that I desperately need reviews on Amazon apparently that's, awesome. that's the thing now oh okay. that you have to I didn't know and I, I I'm, I'm just in this thing where I'm learning a lot uh, from other people's points of view and everybody that I know has been writing books and putting them out and then I always get that message could you please write Review me a view me? yeah on uh, and, and I never realized how big of a deal it is that people can't find your book unless it gets reviews oh, and it doesn't matter good bad or whatever it just I guess it has to be uh, long enough that they believe that they believe that, that you it's wrote. a person yes yeah it's a person yeah, and not a that's bot. That's awesome. Uh, Deborah is writing to us from Lancaster, California. Very close to us. I love me some Lancaster. There's good shopping in Lancaster. Really? Oh yeah. You've never been up to the, the malls in Lancaster? No. It's been a while because I used to live in Santa Clarita.
0: is it that huge outlet mall? Oh, there's like
1: outlet after outlet yeah. after outlet. It's yeah. su- super fun. Uh, Parker is with us and Parker says "Here's a question that I meant to ask weeks ago but now I have the chance to ask it. My longtime gaming buddy got diagnosed with both late stage brain and lung cancer Oh, oh parker i'm so sorry and is not expected to live very long i'm not handling it well at all parker my goodness i don't know how you could and he says i cried over it multiple times he said my wish is for you to be happy i can't fake happiness at all what can i do sorry to ask for help with this parker please don't be sorry That's just devastating.
0: It truly is devastating, Parker. I'm so sorry. It's just such a, I mean, there's no way to avoid grief when you have news like this, right? And um, I I guess the only advice I can give you is to give yourself the time to go through the stages of grief and to, like, it's a horrible experience. And we try to push down our feelings. But don't do that. The fact that you're actually crying over it multiple times is not a bad thing yeah. because you kind of have to go through all of these stages, you know, where you're, you're in denial and then you kind of get angry about it or you're bargaining and, you know, asking yeah. God for favors and all that. And, and ultimately, you'll get to a point where you just accept that this is life, right? Life has yeah. an ending. People have different endings. And... um and you and the sooner you kind of get to that point Parker and you it'll help you find other people and other activities and other friends and I know it's it's never gonna be the same never gonna be the same as this dear friend that you have but this is his life you yeah. know I was just telling uh, my husband that it's scary for me. like it's it's so my phone book, like my contacts now in my iPad in my um, phone, there's so many people that have passed away, yeah. and I don't feel like removing their names. I mean, like one of the people in there passed away probably 20 years ago, and mm. I still can't remove their name. Yeah, and it's kind of a nice rem- reminder just to have them in there. But it, as you age, and as you know, our age. You just have more and more people who leave your life. It's true, and you start to kind of experience that. I'm really sorry, Parker. You know, it's just part of life, and you, it will get better. Let me just put it that way. It'll get easier, and spend the time that you can with him. Enjoy the time that you can with him right now.
1: Yeah, boy, I think that's the best advice. And Parker, I feel for you. As you know, um, I lost one of my best friends almost exactly two years ago. And and I just want to say to you, um, you know, you're uh, exactly what Dr. Grandpierre was saying, and you're you're allowed to have whatever emotions you have, and yeah. em- an emotion is interesting because um, it w- it won't always be the same. No, you That's know, right. it's it's so funny that around grief, playwrights write about this all the time. That you know, people sit and they'll be crying one minute and laughing the next yeah. minute, and then yeah. crying again, yeah. and you really can't judge any of it or yourself and you have to be kind to yourself and you know it, it it's it's terrible because in this in this phase you're already starting to grieve the loss which you feel coming yeah right that's but right. but they haven't gone yet yeah and i see a lot of people in this phase that run away mm-hmm. that run away from their friends that run away from they their feelings want to think about they don't, it. because they don't want to face it yep. they don't want to deal with it and i find that you know for me whenever i've been dealing with an impending death is to put myself in the moment and say, I don't have to grieve this person today. Today, I need to be of service to them and to myself and my feelings about this. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to take it one day at a time. Yeah. And then and then when they're gone, you have the time to, to grieve, but the time to be there. Now, sometimes COVID has taken that away from some of us. That's true. That's and, right. And when Joanne passed, I didn't get to do that. Yeah. But I also want to say, Parker, in all seriousness, it was... Um, just the other day was the two-year anniversary of Joanne's memorial. And from the time that Joanne passed until her memorial, I was busy because I was putting together the memorial. So I had that to focus on. But I could feel that I was super not okay, yeah. that I was super not okay. And I had promised her that I would make sure that I, I would get help if I was not okay. And you know mm-hmm. what I did, Parker? I started therapy. Yep. And I, I called, That's and I great. looked on the back of my card, and and I said, That's you great. know, I want to make an appointment, and I want to talk about grief. And I spent a year and a half talking with somebody and talking it through.
0: Wonderful. So
1: that I could get to the two year mark, and I just went to a, a, a ceremony that was for her the other day, and I got emotional. But I, I'm getting emotional now. But I could be emotional and think of it with love. Mm-hmm. And not it's it's like it's a bruise that will never, ever go away. Never heals. But she, I take her with me. That's She's right. here in this studio. That's right. Her book is on that shelf over there. Yeah. She is with us. As we've t- taken the, the, the show and we're, we're starting to employ people on the spectrum to do the stories from the spectrum, don't kid yourself. That's her yep. being in our hearts. So you find the path. But I couldn't have done it without therapy, Parker. So- don't cheat yourself. Um, get, yeah. You know, get some help and have somebody to talk to um, where you don't have to feel responsible to them.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and that's fantastic advice, Shannon. It, so often we just don't take up therapy. Mm. So many people think therapy is just, oh, you know, why am I doing this? It's just I can talk to my friend it's not the same. If you do actually take the time to find a therapist, you're not going to regret it. No. You really are not. No. And and by the way, if you want to, um, it just so happens, Parker, that last week I recorded a whole bunch of videos on grief, and they're going to be going up on my TikTok if they're not up yet already. Amazing. So I just talked. Each of the videos talks about a different aspect of grief and. The stage that it is and kind of like how you pass through it and the fact that you have to pass through these stages. There's no avoiding your feelings, as Shannon said. So that might help as well.
1: There we go. And Parker says that they've been gaming together for over seven years. That's a a long time. You're entitled to your feelings. Uh, Lori says, I have an issue with eloping. With my five-year-old autistic son. He knows how to unlock locks, climb on chairs to get them open. No matter what locks we use, he gets out. I need to shower during the night when he is asleep and make sure he's in uh, in the bathroom oh when I gosh. need to use it. It is the scariest thing. I can barely cook in the kitchen unless he's in there with me. How do I tame this? He will be starting kindergarten this August. Thank you. We we're, we're gotta start with a hug.
0: Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And,
1: and 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 a kudo because you're you're a brave woman because you're writing and saying I need help. Right. That's amazing. You're doing a good job.
0: That's right, absolutely. And so was it was she saying that he elopes? Is that what the major issue and is? Yes. Yeah. And
1: that he can unlock It doesn't matter. He can get on the chair, and he's—you know, I'm putting words Uh, in her mouth. How old
0: is he? Five. Five. He's
1: starting kindergarten in the fall. So I also want to make sure that we talk about what we're going to do to prepare the school.
0: Yes, that is probably even more important because, let's face it, realistically, you can buy locks that are at the top of the door that he—doesn't matter what he gets up on top of, he's not going to reach— There are, fortunately, child safety types of doorknobs nowadays. There's even uh, a—I bought this for my daughter, which is so funny, because I had purchased it for her for security, security, in San Francisco. But then later I realized it's the wrong type of lock. It's for people not to get out, not not about people getting in. (laughs) So this would be perfect for you. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a type of—I don't even know how to describe it, but it's a type of gizmo that you put on the actual doorknob— and then you put something in it, and let me tell you, there's no way I could open it. Like yeah. so, uh, there are a lot of safety things, and there's you have no choice but to do that first. That is right. the most important thing you can do is to actually just make sure that he's not eloping. The second thing is teaching him how to not elope when those things are not around. And that is not something you can do personally. I think I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that we would do as ABA therapists, but you do need a team of young people to do yeah. that because this is one of the most dangerous things that happens with our kids, as you know. They have very little understanding of safety in the beginning, and so it becomes a really important thing to teach them. And I hate to say it, but the only way that we learn how to avoid fire is by getting burnt a little bit. I mean, that's just the way it is. You, When you're a child, I mean, I actually did this when I was a child, which is so funny. I actually put my finger on the fire. I Because, did too. because I was like, what yeah. is that? You know. And then you learn, and you never touch it again. Yeah. And so this, the, with eloping, the, the issue is that our kids often just take off, and their experience is not a negative one to begin with, right? They're not oh. aware. They just walk around. They go places. They look around. They're not scared. They don't have that natural fear. And uh, you know, you just have to at that point teach them the dangers that could happen for them when they elope. But there's a million other things I want to talk about. Like so there's also the school as Shannon said. And the school is probably the place where that worries me the most because there's always you know there are people who are trying to be responsible for you, but then there's this diffusion of responsibility and there are times when people will just not be responsible and the aide will be like, oh, well, I thought the teacher was looking after him and the teacher will be like, oh, well, I thought, you know, so-and-so was. So we hear about elopement more from schools than from homes. So please, please, please be very, very cautious. Make a huge fuss at the school so that they are... Really aware of your fears, um, get them whatever equipment you can as well to help them keep the classroom safe. Then the last thing that just pops my, in my mind is there. You know there are a lot of now watches and other types of wearables. There's even uh, a designer that has like clothing for children who have disabilities where the um, the the, the Monitor is hidden in the clothing so that the child can't even take it off. But it is something that will give you a GPS location on your child so that, and you can actually look it up at any given time, right? I mean, uh, you know, I have GPS locators on half my objects because I lose everything. But so these things do exist now, and you definitely should look at safety and. Purchase these things um, before you start worrying about how to teach it. But once you feel safe, then you have the time to actually teach this.
1: Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that I learned is that this is a multi-prong process. Yes. Um, that It's not just about doing one thing. Because I think a lot of people pick one thing and they go, okay, well, I'm going to put safety locks on. Right. And then call it done. Right. Um, or, um, you know, they, they'll focus on one app. They're like, well, we just need a fence if we just had a fence, or I just need an IEP, and it's all of the things. Yeah. It's absolutely all of the things, and you, and you have to take it as serious as a heart attack, and, and it's one of those things that I always say to myself, just work the problem. Yeah. Just work the problem. We're gonna do, We're going to take control of everything that we can take control of. And and so making sure there are so many things we've done shows on this before. There's the QR code mm-hmm. from the there's a site called if I need help. So affordable. You guys, these are real parents that started a company called if I need help com. We've had them on the show before. They make QR codes for your child that you can have printed on tags on their shirts Um, it's a, you can get an iron on, they have everything under the sun. It's the least expensive, expensive thing out there that you can do, but it's great. And if your child is found and somebody scans the QR code, it tells them everything they need to know. Law enforcement is keyed into it. Um, it's not the only thing to do though, Mm. Uh, you know, getting, getting a sensor that can pinpoint where they are on GPS. Did you know that most of your insurances will cover it? And if they don't, most of your States now will cover it, that it's your right to that. And but I would also call your local police department.
0: I was gonna say that's a right? great one. Very good one. And and ask
1: can you bring your child by for a tour? Yes. Bring the child over, have them meet the people at the police department. Talk to them about the fact that your child has autism and is at risk for running and eloping. Most police departments don't really know what the term elopement means, but so tell them, my child has autism, he's on the spectrum, he runs, I'm in fear, these are the precautions we're taking, ask them if they have more help. But what you'll do is you'll start to build a relationship because heaven heaven forbid— that you ever can't find your child, it's minutes that you have to locate your child to keep your child safe, and you want law enforcement to react like that.
0: Absolutely. And you want law enforcement to know your child so they know how to handle your child.
1: And likewise for your child to know them so that they don't run away from them.
0: Absolutely, That's a very good point, too. I had a... um, You know, 100 years ago, I was was supervising... um, Residences for the help group. That was my yeah. part of my internship. And um, there was a young man there who used to elope all the yeah. time. And I remember he, ha- fortunately, the police department in that area knew him so well yep. that they were a huge help. Let me just say like every time we, they would get on the road immediately, they would scan the whole area. In fact, they knew better than any of us. what his favorite spots were. So working with the police is really, really important. I agree.
1: But then a lot of people stop there. And I think that that's so sad to me because when you have the help of a really well-trained ABA team— yeah. Is when you get so when you 've gotten taken care of all of the rest of that, then the real teaching begins that's right because you know when when I think about all the people that we've all the parents that we've had on this show over the last eleven years who at one point their kid kiddo has eloped, and we didn't know what we all know now, and what we all know now is that our kids are either running to something or away from something yeah,
0: I was going to say exactly
1: i didn't know that until you told me that. <laughs> Can I tell you Yeah, like it makes me emotional to say that to your face. I didn't know that until you told me that. And and I didn't. My kid was already past it. Our team had already helped us to do that. And I still didn't know it. But when you look at every single case that's in the news right now of a kid that eloped. They were running to something or away from something. And if we have that knowledge and we can start to figure out. Well, if what they are running to is because they know that three doors down they had puppies and they want to go and see the puppies, and they don't have the ability to ask to go see the puppies. But right. the minute you turn your back and you are human, yep. you cannot be on it 24-7. That's you right. can't even go to the bathroom. That's right. At some point, they're going to go.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, so if we can start to teach them, how do you ask to see the puppies? That's right. It's all about that. How do you ask for, and when you ask properly to ask for puppies, I'm going to take you to puppies, but when you don't ask properly for puppies, you don't get to see the puppies.
0: That's right. Or even just to begin with something like, you can go outside, but only if you're with an adult. Yeah. That is. Differentiation, I think, is like one of the most important things. Is un- making the child realize that they do have access, but pu- you know, it's kind of like when when uh, we want to teach kids to uh, play with other kids. Yeah. One of the things we do is we're like, you can go to the playground equipment, but you need another child with you. You know, and it's just yeah. a, it's a requirement of this thing. It's like you can step outside, but where's the, who's the adult that's going yeah. with you? And that can be taught. Yes. But there's a, and I don't, you know, there's another part of this uh, text or message that makes me wonder if there's a little bit more here, which is not just the safety of the child that we've been talking about, which is extremely important. Yeah. But it sounds like also this parent is just exhausted and overwhelmed. Because they're, you know, having to shower overnight. So there's... I don't I don't want to I want to touch that as well please and I just want to say you know please sometimes our kids in in daily life we get so overwhelmed not just our kids but like everything right I mean I, I my kids are grown and gone and they're all lovely people so I don't have all that on top of me but I I even sometimes get overwhelmed right and I, uh, what I end up doing, which is just a lesson that I've learned over time, is I s- start organizing myself and planning things that I have to do. If you look on my phone, there's about 50 to-do lists. You know, <laughs> that I've, that most of them are checked off, which is also, by the way, very satisfying when you go back and you're like, hmm, I did all this, which yeah. is kind of amazing. But like, make yourself a to-do list of things that you can do to give yourself some respite. Yes. That's kind of important, if you have a friend or a neighbor who could just come by for 30 minutes during the day to give you a break, that would be a good start for you, too. It's not just about helping your child. it is Those things are very, very important. But when you're going through a phase where it's so bad that you can't even take a shower during the day, I mean, most of us go through that when we have newborns, yep. right? Parents of kids with autism go through that for many, many, many years, and it's it's beyond exhausting. It burns you out. Yeah. So you do need some support and help, and please also do a little bit of that, right? That's very, very important. And if I always say one of the functions that a good ABA team uh, fulfills is partially that because yeah. you're... ABA team will actually take the child and start teaching them to come here, teaching them to respond, be more compliant, not elope in the house, for instance, because yeah. you, know, you can also elope from a situation. Yeah. Um, and while they're doing that, you can go rest, you can go shower and, and take care of yourself. And I think that's just as important.
1: Absolutely. Can I, can I go back to the school thing for just a second? Because if, if kindergarten is starting in August, um, then now is the moment that if you didn't already have an—and uh, you may have already done this, but if you didn't already have an emergency IEP meeting yeah. where you guys work on what is the strategy to put antecedent modifications in to—we talked a lot about antecedent modifications yesterday, but to make sure that you're—that uh, they're controlling the situation. you got to have things in writing, and I'm going to say this in a way—I don't mean to scare you, but there, the school's— And I'm a former teacher. I used to work in public schools. So I love schools. I love teachers. I don't love administrators. Yes, I'm just going to say that. Um, And there are some good ones out there, but they're few and far between. If you don't make it a thing for them where they're going to be held accountable if something goes wrong, then your chances that they're going to take as good a care of your child as you are are slim and none. So you just got to put the screws to them Absolutely. and say, "I want to tour the facility. I want to see your plan. I want to see your self-closing locks on all the gates. I want to walk the perimeter." And they're going to tell you that you're being fussy, and then you're going to say to yourself, "Yes, yeah. I have arrived." And I and I'm I'm saying to this to you because I did this myself. Uh, they wanted to move him from the the preschool that he was at to a different kindergarten, and I said, "I've walked around that school. The gates are open all the time. Uh, he's not going there." And they said, oh, no, 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 no. And they put on all the self-closing locks. And I said, self-closing locks are only as good as the people who are trained to use them. And they said, well, we will meet you and we will walk around the whole school. And, and the head of special education is going to walk the school with you. And I said, OK, I'll meet you there. We walked. There were three gates that were self-closing gates that were propped open. And I, and, and I said, this isn't going to work. I'm not sending him here. And she said, I'm she said, I am giving you my word. That I am gonna have this fixed within an hour. And I said to her, Can I be honest? I said, You clearly don't have it together. Because if I was you and I knew me, and you already all know me, I would have come here and walked this myself and made sure that those gates were all closed. Before, yeah. Before I I ever met me. And she said, I'm gonna be honest with you. I did.
0: And I was just like in the last five minutes. Right. And I said, Well,
1: now you see why I'm paranoid. And she said, No, totally got it totally got it. I'm going to make sure that this never happens again. Right. And, and I, and the other thing that I did was I became a very active volunteer at the school. So I was there a lot. A lot to make sure that I had eyes on. But we were still doing all the stuff where we were teaching him. We made yeah. sure that he had a one-on-one aid. Yeah. We made sure that she had backup so that if she needed to take a break. Alarms.
0: Can, alarms are the, the best. Yeah, like alarms, alarms at, at home. All the doors. Alarms
1: at school. Um, we had meetings with the kindergarten teacher who was fabulous, Marv. And we said, here's one of our concerns. And so we had many eyes on the situation.
0: And, and let's go back for a minute, Shannon, real quick uh, to what you said earlier, which is what is he going for or going yeah. away from? So it's always about balancing the reinforcers, right? So the bigger thing that you can do, which is super important as well, is just look inside the classroom, see what's going on there. Like if he had a fully reinforcing environment, right, yeah. where he was able to achieve things like be kept busy with fun activities, receive reinforcers, he, I guarantee you, would not be eloping. Yeah. So let's make sure that his activities are also in place, his schedule is packed, he has good teachers, good aides watching over him, keeping him engaged and teaching him and reinforcing him or her. And making sure that there's, you know, positive environment inside the classroom. As well.
1: Absolutely. Amen to that. Uh, Deborah says, my son doesn't chew. I have to puree all of his food. He has constant constipation. We have tried Miralax, et cetera. Do you have any suggestions?
0: <sighs> oh, yeah. I have a lot of suggestions. I know you do. So, again, that one is... Um, two things. One is we're going to teach him how to chew and eat foods, but that is a slow process, which is good because at the same time, I kind of want you to find out what the constipation is about. So things like, you know, Miralax and a lot of, the majority of doctors will just say to you, give him fiber. Uh, You know, maybe he needs something like that. I am more... It's super important to find out what's going on with the bacteria in his gut because, you know, we're supposed to—the human body, when it's functioning correctly, is supposed to take care of itself, including voiding. So when when you don't, when you have things like constipation or you have diarrhea or those—when things are thrown off, there's always something going on with the microorganisms that are in your gut— And that is probably the most important thing that you can deal with. So um, it's funny that this subject should come up because I struggle with over time, I've had it a couple of times now, SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial uh, overgrowth, right? And whenever you have that, you start, you have all kinds of issues, which most people don't even realize that they have SIBO. But you have like bloating and you can't eat a lot of different foods. They just make you feel nauseous and it just messes up your stomach. And as soon as I get the treatment for it, which in this case is a very unusual antibiotic followed by tons and tons of probiotics, then I start to feel normal and healthy and just energy and all this sort of stuff. So I want you to please take care of, figure out and take care of the cause Okay, and if you look up online, there are a lot of doctors that deal with uh, putting, getting rid of bad bacteria and putting good bacteria in your uh, gastrointestinal system. That is the solution to the cause of all of our GI issues. Okay, um, and that I think is probably one of the most important things that you can start with. We often I think Traven has put up often the medmaps mm-hmm. um, doctors. there are There are more. Mm-hmm. There are lots of doctors who do these tests. there you go. Um, and they can absolutely be helpful in trying to get you there. Now, mm-hmm. while you do that, you obviously want to start teaching your child how to go to solid foods and and not just so that you can move forward, right? that's a whole process and it's a very simple process honestly you will you've already discovered a very important thing which is his issue is is um, texture right So he is not able to go with things that are chewy but he can swallow. That's a great step. Some of our kids don't have that yet. So you start with um, whatever it is that you are. Uh, what are they doing? They're mushing it or grating it? She said she's pureeing You're pureeing. Okay, so you're at the puree stage, which is totally fine. Um, Now you will go one level less in your food processor, right? So that you can still be pureed, but it's a little, tiny, tiny, little bit chunky, right, in the puree. And you will... Uh, request your child to—you'll try to give that to him. If, you, um, if, he's, if it succeeds, wonderful, you reward him, and then you move on to gradually—gradually, gradually, this is like months long— uh, to another, a little bit more harder, and you do this shaping procedure where you're very, very slowly going to harder and harder things— Um, When you there, you will hit a stage where he'll refuse. That means you've gone a little bit too far and you'll need to do one of two things. You can either go back a step and make it a little bit more mushy again or, and, and or when you've done that, you can request one tiny, tiny bit of the chewable item and then reward it with a lot of mushy items. If that makes sense. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like I had a little boy that I used to teach how to, he would eat mashed potatoes, like was one of his favorite things. And I was trying to teach him to eat turkey and carrots. Turkey obviously is less difficult in terms of chewing Mm -hmm. than carrots, right? I just loved this kid. He was the best. And I have so much video of him. Um, Because I was like setting up this whole feeding program for him, and he always used to make me laugh. And I wish I could just show the videos. Like the most amazing thing. Because once I went to Turkey, it was fine. It wasn't. He would. He was willing to try a little morsel, but he needed to be rewarded with a lot of mashed potatoes after that. Once we went to carrots, he honestly was like, "This cannot be a food." (laughs) Because I've never put something this hard in right. my mouth. Right. And it was a very foreign experience for him. So we actually, for a long time, it was like a couple of weeks, the, the thing that we required was just for him to put it in his mouth, yeah. not even to chew it, just to put it in his mouth. And we would then cut the carrot into very like tiny slices so that he would put it in his mouth. And it would just like kind of move around and then he accidentally would dissolve, right? <laughs> the first time he chewed Shannon was like the most hilarious moment <laughs> ever. He like crunched down on this carrot and he went, oh, like he was so shocked <laughs> right. that this is a chewable thing that actually... It and gave he, way. And it gave way. And he did it again and he did it and but, and then he spit it out right Right. but it was no problem because he had chewed and we like heavily rewarded that and so it was a very gradual process now these are there are naba feeding specialists people who have learned to do this because there are children who won't even put a morsel of food in their mouth like we have we you know when you're an aba specialist you actually will help a child come off a g-tube a gastro tube so that's A whole different experience. In your case, you have pureed foods. You need to do this shaping thing, always keeping in mind to go slow so that it never becomes a a fight, never becomes aversive. The whole thing has to be very rewarding. Um, And as you progress, you just make the texture a little bit harder, a little bit harder, but always reward with lots and lots of things that are not hard, so mushy things, other activities, whatever it is that's a reward for your child, and and I promise you he'll be able to manage it.
1: Can I throw one more log on the fire? Of course, of course. So, um, because one of the things I used to teach was college-level speech and diction. Yes. And so then I have a kid on the spectrum who is not developing his language, typically, and um you know and we we weren't getting the chewing thing happening right and then then when he started to speak people didn't understand him and so i always look at the chewing as being a part and parcel of a process that affects language cuz those muscles are doing the same thing and if they're not chewing then people aren't going to understand them when they speak that's either
0: that's right that's right thank you for throwing that in because think about how many just say one sentence. Think about how many times, you, and and in different ways, your tongue moves when you do oh, that, right? Yeah. And just fo- be aware for a moment of your mouth, your teeth, your tongue as you're saying words. Uh, in fact, apraxia, a lot of times once you teach a child how to chew properly, apraxia goes away. And they are now able to move their tongue rapidly and the muscles start to develop and you know apraxia is low muscle tone in the tongue so when you do chewing you will actually start to move your tongue in different ways and it definitely will affect speech there we go so this is a very positive thing
1: yeah and there's lots of fun ways to work on it definitely. lots of fun ways Absolutely. to work on it that don't involve eating but yes But, you know, even—you remember that Minute to Win It show? What happened to that? I liked that show. Can we have that back again? Um, But there was the uh, thing—and this is for older kids. I don't think you could do it with a very young kid, but you could work up to um, it—where they would take the Oreo cookies, and they would put them on their face, and and the cookie would be up here, and you had to get it all the way down to your mouth— Just by moving your mouth around. I love that. Right? Or what we do with little kids, um, you know, in theater camps is that we say, okay, even if they're too young to chew gum, they've seen people chew gum. Yeah. And so we say, okay, we're going to take the imaginary gum and we're going to put it in our mouth and then we're going to pretend we're going to chew gum. And they think that's hilarious.
0: Absolutely. They think it's so fun. You can also use other things like those... you know, caramel candy, things that are, and a lot of times our kids haven't, I mean, I don't really encourage a lot of sugar, but that being said, there are pretty healthy, like, you know, things that are sweetened with agave or whatever that are very chewy. Chewing is not a difficult thing to teach. It is definitely one of the easier parts of feeding, but if it gets too hard and if you get into a battle, just get a team that uh, oh, in yes. ABA and they can help you. A lot of speech paths also are very good at this. Yeah.
1: And sometimes they have those um, things that they look like little pencils, no, no but they're little vibrators and yeah. um, that have cool different tips on them. Some of them have dinosaurs. They
0: and do you know the tip that goes in your mouth has flavors?
1: Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, like
0: grape and I all kinds of I did not know stuff.
1: that. There are all different ways to get to this. Okay. Uh, but we brought up ABA, so i got to get to my next question. Um, Sarah says, in the fall, my son will be starting ABA preschool. 30 hours a weekly, 9 to 3. Go, Sarah. Uh, Sar- Sarwar, excuse me. Uh, we would like to continue card ABA after school from 4.30 to 7 at home. Do you think he'll get overwhelmed?
0: No. I don't think he'll get overwhelmed. I think he will enjoy it. And, you know, good ABA therapists are able to balance things in a way that if your child's getting a lot of hours, they make it more fun, more breaks, more natural environment stuff. And so it's not all sit down at a table doing work that way.
1: There we go. Uh, love that. Keith, I got to tell you, Keith, you wrote in and said, uh, I, all I got was the last part of your comment on YouTube you, uh, that you and your wife have custody in their process of adopting, but I didn't get the question part. So can you write back in? Because for some reason it didn't didn't come to me. Um, and Shannon,
0: can I yes. uh, talk about something that's going on on my take-so-look? <laughs> yes. Wanted, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, there's two different things I wanted to actually mention to you and to our viewers. I actually invited a lot of people on TikTok to come and to our show because this is a venue where I can answer their questions yeah. live. And a lot of the questions that people ask me on TikTok are uh, hard to answer because either I have, like, I'm very limited in the space if I'm typing out a response, and I have only like three minutes to respond to you if I'm doing it on a video. So that's. It's just hard to get to the real answers, Um, but so I did invite people here. But there's a couple of other things. One is that I, um, you know, I recently um, had posted something about ABA again. I talk about ABA quite a bit, Um, and there are a lot of people that jump on there and write things because they've had a bad experience with ABA, and they're it's a very like they really really hate ABA. Yeah. And they consider ABA to be abuse. And so I I don't like to ignore people's comments. So I kind of, like, just addressed that recently on TikTok. And I said I know that there's a lot of people who don't like ABA. I think either they've had a really bad experience with ABA or they don't really have a good understanding of what ABA is, actually. Uh, not to their fault, but, like, a lot of people— don't describe ABA correctly either. So, and then I got a lot of hate for that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Which is totally I'm sure there fine. were
1: pitchforks because it's a, it's a trend right now that, that people yeah. are, a lot of people, well, there's a small group of people, but they're very down on ABA.
0: Yeah, yeah, they are. So that was happening. And so I. Don't want to—I didn't want to really, like, get into a back and forth about it because that's not—I mean, I, I essentially just said I completely respect everybody's opinion, and that's fine. But I, I do want to um, say that, you know, it is everything you can, you can have—everything has a good side and a bad side. Everything does. Um, ABA is just a teaching technique— that has been very very successful and i think the part that a lot of people are down on is the fact that those individuals on the spectrum feel like they don't want their behavior changed they don't want to be uh they don't want to feel like there's something wrong with them so so that others have to come in and change it why are you changing me type thing Mm -hmm. And I tried to express this on TikTok, but there just, it wasn't enough sufficient room or space for it. And and uh, a dad, I think it was a dad, I don't know why I have it in my head, it was a male asking the question. But someone said something like, you talk a lot about challenging behaviors, can you give us some examples of that? Mm-hmm. And it was an awesome prompt, right. because then I could just simply say, challenging behaviors are not... It's it's not enough to say, like, hitting or this or that is a challenging behavior. Challenging behaviors are anything that makes life worse for yourself or for others. That's a, classified in my book as a challenging behavior, because we kind of live in a society where we have to respect each other. Like I, right now, might feel like, you know— I would really enjoy kicking shit. <laughs> you know, that's that it. it. Yeah. That would be kind of a fun thing to do. Um, but I don't do it because I'm in a human society where we have to respect each other. Mm. Now, with individuals on the spectrum, often, sometimes they're not aware of the, the things that matter to other people. And they will inadvertently do things that are upsetting to other people disturbing to other people. And it's not just individuals on the spectrum. Obviously, uh, neurotypical people will often do that, right? But when that sort of thing happens, that is what's a challenging behavior. And it would be really, uh, you know, it would be really beneficial to the individual if they found more adaptive ways so that they don't continue doing that. Because Mm -hmm. when they continue doing that, people don't want to hang out with them. So neurotypical people, let's just talk about neurotypical people. If you have someone who's just, let's say, very rude, that's that's an example, very rude, right? And we Um, know those people. Of course, there are people who are very rude or people who, you know, have— uh, gastrointestinal issues and walk around burping. I mean, I'll give you. It doesn't have to be a behavior that is, uh, you know, a, a, a conscious behavior. Even it's just something that makes it uncomfortable for other people. The natural responses. It's aversive to other people. Other people will avoid, and we don't want that. We don't want to be avoided. That's the only reason that I talk about teaching skills because—and there's this whole video I did about how beneficial. Why do we go to school? Right. We go to school to learn skills, right? Mm-hmm. What do our parents teach us in terms of manners? Their skills. These are skills. The more skills you have— the better you can thrive in life. That's a known fact. So with our very high-functioning individuals on the spectrum who don't really want to learn those skills, that's absolutely your right. But then it's also the right of people to not necessarily want to hang out because they want to hang out in an environment that is also enjoyable to them. And that's kind of part of what I was trying to get out, is that it's everybody's choice. And a lot of times, obviously, when we do ABA, it's, we're doing it with children. So their parents have chosen ABA for them. Yeah. But if you think about it, parents also choose school for us. Mm-hmm. Parents also choose uh, you need to learn a musical instrument. You need to learn a second language. You need to learn a sport Our parents choose those things. Right. If it was left to the children, I don't think any child would choose to go to school. Well, maybe Nikki would have (laughs) some kids. But I mean, like in general, our parents choose things that might not be, you know, free, but they're very educated that we learn. We learn and grow. And that was kind of important for me.
1: I I love that you're explaining this, and I I think it's important for me to note that um, one of the things that we've spent probably the last five years on the show talking about is not just ABA, but good quality ABA. Yeah. And I think that that's an important footnote because for so long— You know, for the first five years of the show, we were just talking about do ABA, do ABA, do ABA, Uh, because I had I I had seen the arrow on the FedEx truck. I mean, my kid was speaking. My kid is in college now. I mean, of course, I'm going to talk about ABA because it saved us. It saved us all the way up and down. And I know sometimes that makes people angry and upset. You know, what do you mean you were fine? No, it saved us. I get to speak about our experience. It saved us. And and I want that for everybody. I want that for all of you. Yep. And, and it looks different for everybody in different places. But what we discovered was as insurance came on board is that a lot of people opened a lot of ABA clinics and things went pfft. And maybe the infrastructure wasn't always in place for things to, you know, for training and so on and so forth. So pe- a lot of people are doing ABA and they're doing it in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And, and what I like to yeah. say to people now is, hey, we all went to third grade. Every single one of us went to third grade. And if I were to take a poll of all of you and go, how was third grade for you, a significant portion of people are going to go, oh my gosh, I had a great teacher. And that teacher was everything. I yeah. loved third grade. Third grade was amazing. But we are going to get some people who are going to go, my teacher was a complete whack-a-mole, yeah. should have been put in jail, <laughs> right?
0: Uh, and, absolutely. I mean, there are
1: third grade teachers who are should not be in charge of a classroom. How did they get passed? Yeah. And it's like, how did this happen? And, and, and when somebody says to me, I had a really, I had a good third grade teacher, right? But when somebody says to me, I had a terrible third grade experience, I go, oh, my gosh. I am so sorry that that's the experience you had, mm-hmm. but we don't all get together and go, "Let's stop third grade." Yeah, let's throw third grade out. I go, "Let's make teachers better." That's right. Let's make things so that you know third grade teachers can't be whackamoles who b- belong in jail, you know, and let's not put in substitute teachers who aren't trained. You know, I- I'm like, let's take a reasonable approach to this, but I don't ever say, "Let's stop doing third grade." Now, why is that? Yeah, because we all know how important third grade is. We don't just go, well, let's—there it, it, there have been people who've had a bad experience with it. Therefore, it is bad. And we don't negate their experience either. Yeah. We don't say, no, 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 no. Third grade was fine. You're wrong. We go, let's make it better. Yeah. And, and, and when you really understand that ABA is a teaching technique, when you say ABA is bad— you're saying that learning is bad. Yeah. And for me, as a parent and a former teacher, when I look at children and I say, these children deserve our love and attention, and they deserve to be taught. They
0: deserve to grow. Yeah. And are we going to stop that? I love that, what you just said. I, just It's such a great way to say it. Is If you say ABA is bad, you're saying learning is bad. That's all. That's and, all there is and to you, it. And, and it's too
1: black and white. But please know that if you're saying I had a bad experience with ABA, I'm not going to say no, you didn't. Yeah, I'm not going to say that to you. Well, but I'm,
0: I'm going to tell you that there are other ABA experiences. So some, I did talk about that actually yeah. that there's high quality and bad, you know. And, and then someone wrote and said, yeah, go ahead and just uh, you know blame someone else and say there's bad ABA or whatever. But yeah. and that's that's fine. I mean, there's so actually reading all of this stuff um it made me realize that there's a lot of anger oh, out there oh my gosh yes and and that took me to my other side of my education which is psychology and then i realized you know i should i should maybe try to help people or like it just made me very interested in trying to give some suggestions about feelings not about autism, not about ABA at all, just about feelings. Mm -hmm. And so then that is why my TikTok went fully in the direction of, I did this huge thing about anger and grief. And then I did this whole section on depression. Mm. And then last night, this is, it's kind of, you always tell me sit down and write stuff. This stuff started to like pour out of me. So I started writing a lot of stuff about anxiety So that's the next 15 videos is anxiety, which I'm about to do.
1: I'm subscribed already, but I need to double subscribe. So
0: like that's actually more helpful, I think, to our families, to our parents, because I know like through you and several other parents and through my own life, we all go through so much depression and anxiety and we just kind of ignore it. And especially when we have children who are in need of help, we tend to ignore ourselves more. And that's kind of like, as I've said to you before, I've always been very passionate about actually bringing all that out and talking to parents and helping parents get, their, get themselves help as well, because that's vital to, to not just their children, but, but we need to take care of ourselves. No Amen one else to will. that, sister. Amen to that. Okay, we've got a couple
1: of follow-ups here. Sure. Uh, Lori, who had the child that we fear eloping Said that he loves to go to the pool and being oh. in hotels for vacations and whatnot, he would run out of the room. So can we just say, you know, we, we had an occupational therapist on the show like a week ago who specializes in aquatics. Mm-hmm. And that's a great show to watch because that we talked about pool safety and how important it is. All of our kids, all of our kids need to have some sort of pool safety swimming. We talked about the importance of doing at least one swim class where they get thrown in the pool with their shoes and their clothes on and get taught how to float on their back um, because
0: our kids are drawn to pools. And can I just say that I would, to this parent, I would put everything else on the back burner and teach my child how to swim. There we go. Period. It? Because there's, you know, there's this thing in psychology about survival, right? And everything else goes down when, when the top one is survival. And this is about life and death issues. And so it's very scary when your child elopes. It is ten times more important when they elope towards a pool. Yeah. And so put everything else back and find swim teachers that can come and teach your child how to swim this week. Yep. Like, immediately do it. Today. Because I—and I don't want to scare you either. It's like, we have enough troubles. But over the course of my practice at CARD, I personally had—we had at CARD, and we had thousands of children, but we had four different children and a sibling— who lost their lives due to pools. So, and I will never, ever forget it because most of the time it's either during the night, uh, you know, when people are asleep or whatever. You just don't know. Please teach your child how to swim. That's probably the most important thing you can do.
1: Amen to that. Poppy wants to ask about medication. Her doctor just uh, put her son on a Billify. That's all she said. Yeah. Um,
0: Poppy, I am a pro medication person. I'm not someone who says just medicate and then do nothing else, but I am um, definitely—I strongly believe that medication makes things easier. I can't really comment on your particular child and because I don't know anything about your child, but— Uh, Abilify is one of the medications that a lot of physicians use and it is helpful to some children It's not really helpful to other children So you just need to give it time and work with your physician and have a very open dialogue Um, You know, and I will say that whether your child is experiencing um, ADHD, let's say, or you know hyperactivity or distractibility um, or they're experiencing uh, re- repetitive rituals, or they're experiencing um, anxiety to separation, anxiety, or anxiety towards social, whatever it might be, that's, that's a, I guess, side effect of having autism or a side, or a symptom of having ADHD. Whatever the symptoms are, these medications can help take the edge off. But two things are always important. One is, once you've taken a medication and it has helped, let's say it's anxiety or depression or ritualistic behavior or attention deficit, try to also teach the child skills that will strengthen that particular area and try to also do things that deal with the cause root. Like a lot of times, our kids might be experiencing anxiety, and we give them an SSRI, and it helps them. Um, and we also teach them behavioral techniques, cognitive behavioral techniques that will help them cope with the anxiety. But we don't actually ask ourselves: Maybe my child gets anxiety because he doesn't sleep. Maybe my child doesn't get gets anxiety because he eats massive amounts of sugar. So. Deal with the cause. Or maybe my child has anxiety because there's a horrible teacher in school who he's afraid of. So do all of those things. The, the medication and the behavioral kind of, or the cognitive behavioral treatments are, are great. They help you cope with the existing. But always, always, always ask what's causing it. Sometimes you can modify what's causing it.
1: She gave us a little bit more information. He does have ADHD, pretty severe, as well as level three autism. He is an ABA in speech and currently waiting on OT av- availability.
0: Yeah. So, so those yeah, things will help. Those things will help. Mm-hmm. Um, how much ABA is he receiving? That's probably going to be my biggest question, because if you have pretty severe ADHD as well as level three, I assume you're saying it's 3-3, three, three, autism, then you have uh, a lot. You're dealing with a lot. And I would, regardless of his age, probably recommend a a very intense, comprehensive program of ABA, which will help manage things. Um, Otherwise, you know, doing like 10 hours of ABA is not going to be sufficient.
1: There we go. Uh, and Keith did write back and say, I'm so happy I found your YouTube channel. Uh, my two-year-old grandson, this is the one where he said, we're, we have custody and we're adopting. My two-year-old grandson is recently diagnosed with ASD, and we are on the waiting list for CARD. My question is, what can we do to help with his head banging? And we have no time left.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we should approach this one at the beginning of our next show, Shannon. Yeah. But I want to say two things. One is... I, yes, I, you know, I, I am, of course, devoted to Card. I founded that company, but I don't want you waiting. You're, mm-hmm. you're a two-year-old, and I want you to find other resources in your area. Um, Card is very overwhelmed at the moment. They have a pretty large wait list. They're doing their best to try to help everyone, but... There are also other very good providers. More and more over time, there are some good providers. So depending on where you are, please try to find a provider who can get involved right away. Um, Two is the best time to start a program. It's the best time. Headbanging real quickly— like any other behavior, you need to identify the function. So maybe when you come join us next week, you can actually tell us a little bit more about when the headbanging occurs. Does it occur? First of all, does the child do it when they're alone? That's my number one. Number two, do they, if not, usually the answer to that is no, do they do it when you ask them to do something? That means when a demand is placed, they headbang. And and or do they do it just when they're kind of wanting to get your attention? Do they do it when they want to gain access to something like I want to go outside? I'm going to bang my head until you come and take me outside. Tell us what kinds of things happen before they head bang. And what kind of things do you do when they headbang? Do you go over and try to stop it? So if you can give us some of that information, we can talk a little bit more about that. On yesterday's show, we did a whole thing on taking ABC data. Perfect. And
1: so you can watch that and because if you could take the ABC data on it, which is what she was just asking you to do
0: and she was doing it so well without jargon, but I'm, I'm it's upping the our level. What's the antecedent? What's the behavior which is headbanging and what's the consequence? What happens right before it and how do you guys handle it right after?
1: But if you would do that and then you can email it to me, shannon at autism-live.com and then I'll have Dr. Grampy look at it before next week. Um, I also wanted Thank you, Tyjus, uh, for being with you. And um, Keith says that there's everything is a waiting list in your area, and I understand that. Um, but, but send us the information. Uh, I also have to say that um, Skills, we've been saying that we don't know what's going on, but Skills is taking... Uh, new people. If you've heard us talk before about Skills for the last year and a half, Skills wasn't taking any new uh, people at all because during COVID they just needed to tighten up, but they are taking new clients again. And so if you need skillsforautism.com, uh, which is an online tool to be able to look at things in lots of different ways. It's
0: a wonderful curriculum that we wrote
1: over the years. Yeah. It, amazing. Um, so that is there at your disposal as well. But but can I also say, too, to Keith that when my my son was diagnosed at two and a half, Keith, uh, we started ABA right after, the week after his third birthday, and my kid was a headbanger. Yeah, uh, and we got the right help at the right time. Don't you, you need to push every button? Don't be yeah. on people's waiting lists. Tell them you need help right now. And, but I want to put it, you know, give you the hope that that can change very quickly. Card
0: came in, and it's a it's, a, it's one that actually stops
1: pretty it, fast. It, it, and it happened very quickly that he wasn't doing that. And look, my kid is—he was on the dean's list for his freshman year of college with no support. So good things Amazing. can happen. Amazing. So um, keep doing what you're can doing. Can I
0: also give a quick shout out to one of my kids, uh, Megan in Arizona? I just want to give her a kudos, congratulations. Just finished high school and has gotten accepted to college and I'm just so proud of her.
1: Woohoo, Megan! (laughs) All right. Uh, Super cool. We've gone way over, you guys. I'm sorry for taking up your time, but it was important. Um, I want to say to you guys that we are back live tomorrow with Autism Live. We've got an amazing mom who has been a mover and a shaker. We've had her on the show before, but she's going to come back and talk about a new project that she's going. She's part of a production company now and they're casting a project Mm. where they're going to shed some light on autism. They're looking looking for uh, some actors on the spectrum. So love you, you guys will want to tune in to hear how you can be a part of that or how you can support it. Uh, so that will be tomorrow. Until then, please give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. And thank you, Dr.
0: Thank you, Shannon. Always a joy. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye for now.